Halashing for Halas? Want to braai or fine dine? Stay tuned to Hi FM on 101.9 Tuesday mornings from 11 a.m. for Essen Fresen, where it's all about the food. Good morning and welcome to the Essen Fresen show. I'm Sharon Lurie, the kosher butcher's wife, and I'm feeling very confused at the moment. Why? Because yesterday I had a Pesach shoot. Today I'm talking about Purim, and tomorrow I'm getting ready for Shabbos. But at least it's all to do with food. So let's get started with some of the traditional foodie practices that Purim offers. Purim is a joyous and happy Jewish holiday, and it's celebrated every year, of course, on the 14th of the Hebrew month of Adar. And Purim is just around the corner, actually, and. It, it begins on Saturday night, March the 23rd, and continues through Sunday, March the 24th. And there are a few traditions with regard to Purim, which I know other presenters on this radio will be talking about. But what I want to talk about is the food side, the Mishloach Manot, the giving of two kinds of ready-to-eat foods to at least one person. But obviously we try to give to as many people as we can. And then, of course, I'd like to chat a bit about the soda and foods that we can have there if, if I have time. And the dressing up. And this is not restricted to children. I know it's hard and our, our hearts at the moment aren't in a happy place because if our brothers and sisters in Israel are hurting, so are we. But however, we all need to participate in the mitzvahs of Purim. And sending gifts of two kinds of food to at least one person, giving tzedakah, hearing the Megillah, and enjoying the festive Purim feast, the Suda, which often includes wines and happy drinks, I'm sure that we can get our spirits up. So during the course of Purim Day, which is Sunday, March 24th, Gather your families around, maybe invite some friends and celebrate with a festive Purim meal. Traditionally, this meal begins before sundown and can last well into the night. For me, of course, it's the happiest of all the festivals. Why? Because it's a day I became a boy for the first time to twin girls who are now 15 years old. So I really celebrate on Purim. Um, I know it's a month away, but I didn't know where I'd be, when I would be next on the show. And this year, I really urge everyone to dress up, be proud, be out there. It's a Sunday and it's just get a theme ready and just have so much fun. Because clearing out my cupboards, I found a wonderful cowboy hat. I don't know where it's from. I don't know which child used it for dressing up. But um, I'm going to dress up as a cow cowgirl. I'll borrow a toy gun or two from my grandson, a check shirt from my husband, a bantana, and I'm good to go. And I think my shalach monos, mishloch monot, should identify with a cowboy vibe. But all they say, all I've been able to find on the internet is beans, sausages and beer. Anyway, I've got time to work on that. And uh, as you know, I always battle with Mishmiloach Manot ideas. So I got in the professional this year. 
Kari Berkovitz of Flowers by Kari. She is so creative. How she and her family come up with their Purim ideas, I will never know. So after the break, we'll join, Kari will join us. And she's been racking her brain with ideas for Mishlach Manot for us. And unfortunately, the recording, which we had to do because Kari is extremely busy, we had to do yesterday afternoon, uh, there was a little bit of thunder. <laughs> so excuse the loud booms in between. Chalashing for Chalas? Want to braai or fine dine? This is Essen Fressen. It's all about the food. Hi, Kari. Welcome to the Essen Fressen Show. Um, okay, so it's Purim, and I know that you and your family are the Purim, what do we call you, the Purim kings and queens. <laughs> Give me a couple of ideas. I'm, I'm, I'm so dry on ideas for Shalak Monas, for, for Sudas. The, what, what have you got up your sleeve? Where... <laughs> Well, I won't tell you what we've got up our sleeve for this year. Um, you'll have to wait and see. Okay. But I can give you ideas um, of all of the above. Where would you like to start? Let's start with um, Charlotte Monas. Okay. <laughs> so, Charlotte Monas, oh, there are just millions of ideas. Either, um, to keep it simple, you could do something in colors. Um, basically, first, let me start by saying um, Evermore and the Chinese market are the places to go. Um, and there's so many of the top Chinese markets all over um, just to help you with, with decor, with costumes, with shalokmanas, packaging, etc. So those are the great places. Um, in terms of, of themes for shalokmanas, either you can go like just a color theme and you can do the packaging in that color the food in that color sweets in that color um like oranges for example and you put in uh, fresh oranges um and it's all based on that or another theme you could do is flavors where everything is one flavor like chocolate and you do real chocolate and chocolate milk and chocolate liqueur and everything to do with chocolate uh, cheese theme and everything is to do with the cheeses um, we could even do a fruit theme um, where everything is based on one fruit or different fruit, uh, fruit sweets and real fruit and fruit juice and um, base it on just one fruit or, or as I say mixed fruits some people do like um, a breakfast theme where they do um, like a coffee and a croissant or coffee and biscuits or um, and they give the milk and the sugar and they put it in a mug and um, that sort of vibe. Um, you could do a meat theme where you do like biltong and pretzels and pickles and that vibe. Um, men would love that theme. Some people do like themes with ingredients where they give ingredients to make something like a deconstructed salad or deconstructed, um, I don't know, um, but deconstructed any foods like even like brownies and brownie mixture. I do know that you have to have, I think it is two edible ready to eat foods in your shallow honest. Yeah. Um, I think it is two. I think it's it's one or two, but definitely you do need some ready More to than eat. One, you yeah. can't just give um yeah, you can't just give the ingredients. Mm -hmm. Um my favorite to receive are like 
when somebody just gives like a salad and a bagel, like a ready-to-eat salad, because I find on the day of Purim, I eat so much rubbish. And when somebody arrives with either ready-to-eat salad or ready-to-eat sushi, I love that because it just like, breaks all the all the rubbish that we eat on the day. And then I saw something that was really cute and pertinent at the moment. Um, which was like an Israeli-themed um, Shalach Manas, and it's called Flavors of the Shuk. And it's like barikas and nuts and se- seeds and sweets that put in brown paper bags. And, and, oh, I love and, that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and you could even, then you could theme that with like a costume and do like a Israeli vibe costume. Um And then there, oh, there's also that sort of vibe, smoothie bowls you can give like, fresh fruit um blueberries and almond milk and granola and anything else for a smoothie bowl which is also a bit like deconstructed um s'mores you can do um biscuits and chocolates and marshmallows and um a s'mores theme some people do shabbos themes um where they give challah and dips and wine um, so that's, that's more like when Purim is closer to Shabbos. Right. Um, like when Purim's on a Thursday, that's great. Um, this year it's on Sunday, so I don't know if it's, it's so, it would work so well. I saw, um, candy shots where people take shot glasses and put different candies in them. Another one that I like is like, um, sourdough. Um, vibe where they where you give sourdough and avos and anything any other topping that will work on sourdough, um, which is yum. Um, another deconstructed one you can do is overnight oats in a mason jar, and then people just um, yeah they I suppose they put in the water and whatever needs to be done in the evening, but don't forget to give ready made food also. Um, some people do fast food. Some people just do milk and cookies. Um, Asian food, and then you can dress up in, in the Chinese vibe or Asian vibe. Indian food, Mexican food, Italian food. And then the last one, um, oh, which I've seen somebody advertising, um, so if you don't want to make it yourself, is uh, charcuterie boards. You can either go like the meat vibe. This would obviously be for someone really special because you can't do this for a lot of people. It would be quite expensive. But you could go meat and nuts and pickles and mustard and that vibe. Or you could go a milk vibe with cheeses and olives and grapes and crackers, um, more along those along that route. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now let's decorate the table for the suda. Okay. So there again, um, you can just go if you want. Sorry about that. That's some thunder. Oh, yeah. Thundering here too. <laughs> yeah. So you can just go like bright colors. Again, go to the Chinese market, go to Evermore. Um, you can really, for Purim, you do not need to go fancy. Um Paper plates are perfect. Um, you can go by colors. You can do bunting. You can do fairy lights. Fairy lights are great for everything, I think. Fairy lights yeah. just make a party. They do. Um, <laughs> You're right. Or you can um, go theme. Now, if you go to places like Evermore, they will have themes already there ready for you. For example, they've got Mexican um, 
with like the Day of the Dead and tons of masks and tons of paper plates and serviettes to match and little cacti to put on the tables and um, so you can either go like um, a ready-made theme yeah. and you can just go and see what is out there and then do your theme according to that or you can choose a different theme for example you can go tropical and you can just do and uh, leaves from your garden and you can buy beautiful tropical paper plates and serviettes and do that sort of vibe you can turn your tropical into jungle um, and you can do like incorporate animals and animal masks and little animals and um, you could do like under the sea um, you can do with that you can do um, uh, blue water colored with food coloring put in seashells um, candles um, you can do a beach party um, with like lilos and beach balls and that's a very happy, fun party. You can just do mm. masks and buy a whole lot of masks and put them on the tables. Right. Um, you can do 80s. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about costumes. Okay. <laughs> so costumes, um, just to give it like a few ideas, um, it's fun to do either single costumes where you just do costumes for yourself. Yes. Or doubles costumes where you go with a friend or um with a partner um, or group costumes where it's a group of friends go together or a fam go as a family um, and dress up. So just to give you a few ideas, um, for single costumes you can do things like a rock star and you just buy the t-shirt and a bit of jewelry and maybe a wig. Um, tooth fairy I saw which was cute, uh, white tutus and um, toothbrushes all over. Um, I saw some really something really pertinent, which was fake news, and someone was wearing a T-shirt that said fake, and then her skirt was made up of newspapers. Oh, so these are things you can really yeah. do, like make them yourself. Like doubles, they're cute double ideas. The I mean, there's pirates, there's police and criminal, there's hippies, there's rustas, cowboys, Indians. Harry Potter characters. You name it. You, yeah. A, a beekeeper and a bee. Ah, oh, okay. An, an explorer and an animal. Um, astronaut and an alien. Barbie and Ken. <laughs> yeah, that's the awesome character. And then group costumes. Yeah, families can go as different color crayons, different Mario characters different Paw Patrol characters for young families, different circus characters, can be animals, performers. Um, and then the last one I saw that was quite cute was to go as tourists and with cameras and with sun hats and sandals and backpacks and maps. And so that's quite okay. a cute one also. Yeah. Well, you've certainly given us a lot to think about. No excuses, everybody. No excuses. Dress up and get involved. <laughs> okay, Kari, thank you so much. Oh, how do we contact you? That's more important. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, my uh, phone number is 082-955-6749. And then I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook, Flowers by Kari. Beautiful. Thank you, Kari. Thank you so much for joining us. And enlightening us on all the things that we can do for Purim. And have a happy Purim, if I don't see you before. 
Halashin for halas? Want to braai or fine dine? This is Essen Fresen. It's all about the food. Welcome back to the Essen Fresen show. You're listening to Sharon Lurie, the kosher butcher's wife. And, um, you know, whenever I go into Facebook or social media, my algorithms, I don't know if I'm using the right words, you know, I'm not very technical, but it all, they always point and show me in the, the direction of food. And one that always comes up, a site that always comes up is what do want to eat spelled what j-e-w want to eat so we're stepping stepping away from purim at the moment and we're on to social media and my next guest shouldn't come as a surprise when talking about social media i'm sure you've all heard of seen amy Kritz's blog site what you want to eat and um she is, as she says it herself, she says, this is your source of home-cooked, sometimes kosher goodness. She's the author of Sweet Noshings and also owns ModernTribe.com. You've got to check the site out. It's really incredible. It's just fun Jewish gifts and modern Judaica. But she'll explain what it's all about. Don't forget, it's ModernTribe.com. Okay, so she has a fun with wonderful and, she, and and creates wonderful modern twists on traditional food, and things that she learned from her mom and her bobby. I mean, from Caesar salad latkes to fried knedlach and everything in between. Let's see what makes Amy tick. Good morning to you and good evening from this side. <laughs> Welcome to the Essen Person Show, Amy. Um, it's wonderful to have you. Um, as soon as I go onto any kind of social media platform and I type in uh, Jewish food or anything like that, somehow what you, spelled J-E-W, what you want to eat, comes up. So let's start from the beginning. Tell me how it all, all came about for you. Oh, so you cut out a little bit. How I started my blog? Yeah, hi, yes, sorry. How you started everything. Yeah. And Okay. Yeah, I'm happy to share that. Yeah, I've done my blog since 2010, so it's been a part of my life for a long time. And uh, kind of the short story of how I started, I moved from New York City to Austin, Texas, kind of, kind of to escape the recession in New York and um, also escape maybe the cold weather a little. And I was working producing conferences in Texas, and it just wasn't as, uh, I'm sorry, I was doing it in New York, and then I moved to consulting in Texas, and it just wasn't as creative as my past job, so I was looking for just a creative outlet, a hobby, and at the time, blogs were just starting to become popular, and I was reading a lot of blogs about baking, and I have always loved baking, I grew up baking with my mom and my bubby, so initially, I was going to do a cupcake blog, which was very 2010. And then I, I asked my brother if he would help me set up a WordPress site. And he told me, you know, pretty frankly, that he didn't think a cupcake blog was a good idea, not really sustainable. And I wasn't really thinking more of just something I would do here and there as a hobby. And then he suggested Jewish food, which to me, I grew up in a very Jewish neighborhood in Connecticut. So it just was something that was part of our day-to-day food. I didn't really think of it as anything exciting or unique. And then he suggested I ask my friends in Texas if they knew what a Kanish was. And I grew up very Ashkenazi, so definitely with um, Eastern European food. And, and, you know, not surprisingly, they didn't know what any of that was. And they 
had never had a good bagel. So I was like, oh, this is, this is something really cool. I think we could pay, um, you know, an honor to my Bubby and her Bubby's recipes. So I started with asking her to send me some of her recipes, which I don't know, you know, about the listeners, but they were, they were just chicken scratch on um, index cards, you know, so not really much of a recipe, no ingredients, you know, it was just like cook till done kind of a thing. (laughs) So really we're starting from scratch and, you know, I'd call her and be like, I don't, it would just be like cook the brisket. I'm like, what? How? I don't know how to cook brisket. So, uh, you know, it was, and she's, she's the kind of bubby too. that if I say I have a new hobby, like I'm like, I think I'm going to, you know, I'm interested in tennis. She'll go and, you know, buy me a tennis racket, tennis balls, tennis skirt. So when I told her I was interested in cooking, um, she was so excited and had my mom scan all of her index cards and, um, you know, went to Marshall's, which is just like a local discount store and not local, but a chain of discount stores <laughs> and, you know, got me a cherry pitter and an avocado saver and just anything she could find cooking related that I had there. So she was so excited. And that's kind of just how I got started is um, just something fun to do. Yeah. I wasn't thinking of it as a career. I didn't know any bloggers making money at the time. So I think that's, you know, really a good place to start because I was just passionate about it. And um, it grew like pretty steadily. And before, I didn't even know, you know, how to look at Google Analytics and see if people were reading my blog. But I, I started to get emails from people about how impactful and they found my recipes. And one email in particular was from a girl who um, her dad was not Jewish and her mother was. And her mother had passed away and she was looking for a way to connect to her Judaism and thought food was the way to do it. So she started cooking all my recipes and sent me the pictures. And she was like, you probably get so many emails, you'll never see this. And I got like no emails. And I it, you know, I read every single part of her email and thought it was just amazing. And I still do. So that's kind of how my, my blog origin story there. Right. And um, I see you say in your blog that some of the recipes are kosher. So now I've got a question that so many people ask me, and I want to see how you answer this. Okay. How, what is Jewish food? <laughs> yeah, what is Jewish food is a very good question. Well, so talk about the kosher. All my, blo- all my recipes on my blog are kosher style. I personally don't keep kosher. Right. I don't think you'll find any like milk or meat or any pork or shellfish on my blog um there might be things like you know maybe i'll use sprinkles for passover and someone's like where can i get kosher for passover sprinkles so there's there's definitely and i, I try my best <laughs> um but I, I think if you, if you keep kosher you should definitely be able to use the recipes on my blog i do use a lot of butter and desserts so if you're looking for part of desserts i'm probably not the the blog for you uh, but to go back to your question about what is Jewish food, I think it's yeah. always an interesting question in terms of food that relates to our culture and traditions, also connecting to food um, like where Jews have lived. So I think that's a cool thing about Jewish food is that it's evolved as Jews have moved around the world, sometimes by choice, sometimes not by choice. Um, like when I lived in Texas, some of my friends who were Mexican and Jewish would put chilies in their matzo ball soup. So they took a food that was traditional, mixed it with something local, and kind of made it their own Jewish food. Um, so that's, what I think, a very beautiful thing about Jewish food. It's always evolving. Um, you can always put your own twist on it. And you know, I think when people say, like, oh, this isn't traditional, like, what is traditional Jewish food? Because it's never been a static thing. Yeah, um, and, I, and I mentioned I grew up with very Ashkenazi food. And as I learned more about Jewish food, I got to explore more Sephardic and Mizrahi flavors. And I love to combine all of those together. You know, maybe an Ashkenazi recipe with some more, you know, maybe I'll add some tahini into it. You know, I think I'd like to think my Eastern European relatives would 
would use avocado if they had it available, you know. So I, I definitely take liberties with with what is traditional Jewish food. Uh, but, you know, I think, you know, in terms of this traditional foods like challah and, you know, that are for part of our for holidays and that are definitely thought of as Jewish, but I think Jewish food can be kind of a little more broad than that too. Yeah, we can we can infuse other other cultures into into our cooking. I mean I always when I see Italian Jewish cooking and I always think to myself, did ravioli come first? Or did Krepler yeah. Krepler come first? <laughs> yeah. Wasn't well that's the thing too. I think yeah. people get so worked up about food which I I mean food is definitely something I'm passionate about, but food can you could be have food can be two things. Food could be, you know, from different places. Like, many people have a dumpling of some sort. You know, and food can be Jewish, and it could also be Italian. It can be both. Like, I think people are so like, that, that's not Jewish food, especially, on, you know, on social media. I'm like, why can't it be both? Absolutely. <laughs> why, why can't we all just get along, you know? Yeah. <laughs> We can cook, yeah. we can infuse all all our. I mean, who cares? It's all delicious in the end. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah, yeah, I think, the, and the more people cooking these recipes, the more exciting twists and um, adaptations we have. It's, it's all it's all good. Everyone, yeah. everyone can cook it. You know, people ask me, they're like, "I'm not Jewish. Can I make latkes?" I'm like, "Sure." Uh, <laughs> everyone should enjoy. <laughs> exactly. Latkes. I mean, what came? Like, what I'm came, not Italian, and I yeah. eat a lot of pastas. <laughs> what came first? Did the rosti come first? Or did the latke come yeah. first? Did French uh, yeah. crepes come first? Or, or did uh, blintzes? <laughs> One thing for sure, Knaidlach we definitely own. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll, t- I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. So I also, I love creating twists on, on traditional uh, dishes. So that's what really, um, you know, um, got me involved in all your different dishes and just reading up on your on your twists on different on traditional dishes was was really what got me going on your site and um i know that you love you love purim i know you love it so i know you love the, the dressing up and the fun and everything that goes with it share something that that you're going to create or have created that's a twist on the on traditional Purim fair. Oh yeah, so I always make a new hamantaschen every year. Um, I I definitely get a little liberal with what is a hamantaschen. Is it a triangle? Does that make it a hamantaschen? So I, I made sometimes I've made some savory ones. Like I did a bialy hamantaschen, which is a bialy shaped like a triangle, stuffed with like the onions and garlic and poppy seed kind of filling there. So is that a hamantaschen? Uh, who cares? I don't know. <laughs> okay, so like a triangle, so. for, for um, those but, who, who don't, sorry, for those who don't know what a bialy is, how would you explain that? It's like a, a, a bagel without a hole really, in it. It's similar to a bagel. Yeah, yeah, no hole. Um, they're not boiled like yes. a bagel, and they're filled with this. They're really good. They're, they're filled with like a kind of a caramelized onion, garlic, poppy seed. Instead of where the hole would be, that's there. So they're. If you like a bagel, you'll love a bialy. Yeah. I love them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I always, you know, I, I usually do a sweet variety, of course, for Hamatasha. It's really one of my favorite twists to do. Probably one of my most popular ones is a strawberry champagne one. Oh, which wow. has a strawberry filling, a little champagne drizzle, and rainbow sprinkles on it. I just, I love, I love using sprinkles when I can. I love putting color into Jewish food. I try to use natural color when I can, because a lot of Jewish food, especially Ashkenazi food, is brown. And I think some of the best tasting food is brown brisket. You know, matzo balls, chopped liver, rugula, it's all, it's all brown. So I try okay. to add a little color when I can. 
Um, so that's one of my favorite ones. Um, last year I did an espresso martini hum and passion. Um, so I think, you know, also in Purim, you're supposed to have a, a cocktail or two, which I'm not going to argue with. So I like to incorporate some of those boozy flavors. And I won't give away the hummus passion I'm working on this year yet. Um, hopefully it'll be ready soon, but it is boozy inspired. So. Okay, so now we can all go to your site, which is what you want to eat, and we can see what you're making yep. for Purim. And and yep. just, um, you are really, I mean, you you certainly are an inspiration. You've, you've had been on a great journey so far from blogging to the author of Sweet Noshings. Okay, the, which, which I'd yep. love to talk to you about. Your book called Sweet sure. Noshings. Tell us a bit, a bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I always, when I started my blog, and, like, I quickly realized I wanted this to be a career of mine, so <laughs> without going into all the detail, I went to culinary school, I was a private chef for a while, um, but I kept, you know, going after my blog, and uh, eventually my blog was in this small business contest, I got a lot of press from that, and I kind of dabbled into freelance writing through that, and recipe development, and I just started saying yes to everything that came my way, and, you know, people were like, oh, can you do recipe videos? And I said, sure. And I just, I just figured it out. But I knew I always wanted to do a cookbook. And I had a few opportunities come along to, like, fizzled out. Um, so when eventually I got my Sweet Noshings offer, it was for a desserts cookbook, which seemed so perfect because I grew up cooking, or sorry, I grew up baking with my mom and Bubby. Like, Ruggalo was the first thing I learned how to make. They're, they're dessert people. We're a dessert family. You know, they're dessert people. Um, so... Uh, you know, mango bread, all, all the all the classic Ashkenazi desserts. So that just seemed like a really good match for me. So this book came out in 2016. I got to go on a world book tour. It was just like one of the most fun fun achievements of my blogging career. Probably the best though is just meeting a lot of readers. Like I've had a lot of readers from the beginning, and I email with them, and you like feel like they're like kind of friends with people, and you meet them in person, and it's it's very cool. Um, and it's, you know, nothing can replace that in-person meeting that I definitely missed during those COVID days. So, I, you know, hopefully I'll be able to do some, another cookbook one day. I'd love to do a savory one and be able to do another tour and go, go hang out with my friends again. Right. And where can we get your book? Can we get it off Amazon? <laughs> yeah, it's available on Amazon. I also um, own an online Judaica store, moderntribe.com. Oh, tell us about there. that. Tell and us about do, that. Yeah, so I, this is around the same time my cookbook was coming out. I had an opportunity. Um, so there was a, the store already existed, and the previous owner was selling it. And I knew about her just through you know, Jewish geography, basically. I, was, I had done some affiliate marketing for her. And I, you know, I messaged my, my brother, the same one who told me not to do a cupcake blog. And I said, do you want to buy this store that's for sale? And uh, luckily, he said, yes. He said, that's, that's like a fun opportunity. So we own, my brother and I own the store together. My parents are crawling, of course. Um, so we've owned it since 2016, the same time I cookbook came out. So that was a very, very busy time for me. Um, and we've just really transformed it, redesigned the site. We have thousands of new products. Um, we've really grown every year, which has just been like really fun. Um, and we do ship, right now we don't ship to the EU and UK because we're, we're trying to figure out some tariff stuff, but we do ship worldwide, including South Africa. Um, and we have, Judaica from all around the world. It's everything you would need to be Jewish. But and I try to make it either beautiful or fun. So we have a lot of handmade stuff. You know, I work with a lot of artists that don't sell other places. You can't get it on Amazon. Um, so we really have a unique variety of Jewish gifts. Um, 
everything from earrings that look like Hamantash and, you know, to yardside candle holders that are handmade in Israel. You know, so really everything you would you would need. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been a really fun a opportunity. Uh, so now, yeah, thank you. So, yeah, we're, we're gearing up for, for Passover next. So I'm always thinking a, a few months ahead between my blog and my store. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and there's just so much, there's wonderful stuff. It's called, what, what is it called again? Modern 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 Tribe. Sorry, I'm a little cold. A little, little modern tribe dot com. Modern because you have some lovely original things that uh and funky uh items that that are just so cute. <laughs> they really are they lovely. Yeah, yeah, I I do all the, the shopping which is I mean that's a dream job, right? Like <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Tell me, do you prefer baking or cooking? You love yeah, I, really, I like both. I, mm-hmm. I, I always like cooking because you don't have to measure as much. But then mm-hmm. baking, I just have such fond memories. And something, it's so funny because I grew up baking with my mom and Bubby. And then when I came out with my cookbook, I wasn't thinking how many people would bake with their kids. So I got so many pictures of people baking with their kids because I think that like you just bake with your kids. That's what you know. That's what you do. And I, I have a one-year-old daughter now, and she's like just starting to be able to help in the kitchen, and it's just so fun and rewarding so that's been really fun being able like hopefully this year she can help make some hamantasha with me you know not not the boozy ones i'll give her some normal <laughs> jam ones but <laughs> wait, wait till she's a little older um but I, yes i don't know I, li- I like cooking but even when i'm cooking for a blog i still don't measure everything well i'm just cooking for fun i just like throw things together so right. um, but i'll be honest people are always like oh your husband's so lucky Married to you, he does almost all our cooking. <laughs> so, I'm like, I'm the lucky one. He does a lot for me. <laughs> and um, I, I'm sure that your your daughter's your biggest job out of all of your all your jobs. But it's fun that she can come into the kitchen at such a young age. I know I love cooking with my grandchildren. They just, you know, they just get involved, and it's wonderful. So, another question. What is your favorite utensil in the kitchen? Oh, that's amazing. No, I don't know if anyone's ever asked me my favorite utensil. Well, I don't know if it counts as utensil, but I, I like must have a cast iron pan. I love cooking in cast iron. Yes. Probably that, besides that, just a pair of tongs, like something boring like that. I feel like I use tongs the most, um, yeah. you know, when I'm cooking in terms of flipping food, mixing it. It's like I feel like it's pretty versatile. Um, nothing, I don't have a lot of like fancy, you know fancy stuff like I don't need a I don't need an air fryer or anything you know just just the basics I live in an apartment I don't have that much room <laughs> okay and 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 a nice twist on a brisket I'm gonna make a brisket for Shabbos what 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 would you suggest a nice recipe well, I'll go, I swear I don't only cook with alcohol but I probably my most popular brisket is a coffee and bourbon braised brisket so I lived in Texas um Texas is known for their brisket too 
but yes. they smoke it and like barbecue brisket. Right. So people had never heard of braising brisket. And then uh, we had a for American Thanksgiving. We, my friends and I would do a Friendsgiving every year. We'd have like 30, 40 people over. A big thing. So I would all the first year I braised brisket. Some of my Texas friends were like, uh, I don't, you know, I don't know about this. Uh, but I braised it in a mixture of coffee and whiskey, and by the I had like everyone was like converted. Like <laughs> they're like, this is amazing. Like this is we're 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 fans of Jewish brisket now. So that's besides my Bubby's like classic kind of sweet and sour style. That's like one of my favorite versions to make. Initially, I had a made it for Thanksgiving. I put um cranberries in it too, so it adds like a little tart. It's like a little sweet for brown sugar tart, coffee kind of earthiness, the boozy kick. Um, but you could do it without cranberries any time of year. I think would be good too. Right. Well, we're actually we're getting some cranberry cranberry sauce now. They're getting it in from America, so we can do something really? with cranberry here for Pesach. We could even yeah, yeah it's for Pesach. You get into, like the cans of cranberry. The sauce, cans of cranberry. Like yeah, we get we get it once a year. Oh yeah. <laughs> So we, so funny. <laughs> yeah, we get your Thanksgiving cranberry for Pesach. So we'll do something with oh, that. Well. <laughs> right. Enjoy. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that's all I have time for. Unfortunately, I'd love to speak to you for a lot longer, but um, you certainly are an inspiration. We're going to follow you on your site. We're going to follow you on your journey because you're just growing and growing in areas you probably didn't think that you would. Am I right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the cool thing about, you know, blogging. I never thought I'd own a Judaica store. Like, that that was crazy. And, yeah. you know, I've had some really cool opportunities. And I, I recently did some videos for Food Network here. Just, like, I'm always like, what's going to happen next? It's it's exciting. But, you know, still, my, my favorite thing is still just connecting with, with my readers. And um, yes. that's, you know, I think the most rewarding part, too. So Yeah. And I see that the minute you you asked a question on your site, you answer straight away, which is wonderful. I try. I try. Yeah. I like to have a, a clean inbox, too. So. <laughs> it was great talking to you. Thank you, Amy. I appreciate you your time. Right. Thank you so much for reaching out. Okay. Be well. Thank okay. you. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye. for Chalas? Want to bry or fine dine? This is Essen Fressen. It's all about the food. Now, I always like to share something with you, um, which has got the, where the lure jury have given their thumbs up, where they go for seconds, and then they say, don't tell her it's good, because we'll never get it again. So here it goes. It's for a raisin rib roast, which is basically uh, chuck off the bone. It is one of the eight primal cuts, and it's part of the shoulder, the top of the shoulder, going into the bottom of the neck. From the shoulder going back is the first strip where, where the, the scotch fillet is housed. And because the chuck is a very muscular area with connective tissue, um, which actually breaks down and releases some amazing flavors when it's cooked, it is tough and needs long cooking. It can be a bit of a nightmare for the carver once it's cooked as the grains do run in different directions. But the best chuck is the one that's marbled with fat because that gives an incredible taste. And if it's cooked properly, it is a delicious, delicious cut of meat. So remember, chuck likes a long, hot soak in the bath and it makes for a perfect slow-cooked dish. And yes, the bone-in roast 
does give a little more of a robust taste to the meat. So you can get raisin rib, which is off the bone, chuck off the bone, and chuck on the bone. Um, and the the bones do give a little bit of a the bones do give it a lovely taste as well. Um, but raisin rib off the bone is just as delicious and don't forget you can't you you don't age a raisin rib you don't need to okay it's not like aging a scotch fillet it can be it can't be eaten rare very important can't be eaten rare like brisket you can't eat brisket rare okay it's got to cook for a long time so don't make that mistake. Scotch fillet, yes, you age that and you cook it on high, but a raisin rib needs long, slow cooking like brisket. So after the ad break, I'll come back with the recipe. Chalashing for chalas? Want to braai or fine dine? This is Essen Fressen. It's all about the food. Welcome back to the show. This is Sharon Lurie, the kosher butcher's wife, and we are talking about a raisin rib roast that I did a week or two back. And um, just that you don't have to um, vacuum pack and age a, a raisin rib. You can just cook it low and slow. So what you'll need, I'm going to do a two kilo raisin rib roast off the bone. So you need a little bit of oil for frying the roast. Now this is important. Why? We have to fry the roast first. Don't just stick it in the pot and just let it cook. Because we want that Maillard, it's pronounced Maillard, although it's spelled differently. Uh, we want the Maillard reaction, which is so important. And it's basically, it's, a, it's an extremely complex process, this Maillard reaction. And it's when sugars and protein in the meat react together when heated. And it's what gives the meat that lovely, caramelized, tasty brown crust. We don't want to waste any of it on the bottom of the pot. And that's why we add a liquid after browning to get that wonderful taste. So the liquid that I'm going to add is one cup of red wine. And then you scrape off all those beautiful bits at the bottom. But let me give you the rest of the ingredients. It's, a, it's the two kilo raisin rib roast, one cup of red wine, 500 grams of sliced onions. Now, I was lazy, and I have to admit that I've got a packet already sliced from Fresh Villas. <laughs> now, the onions are important because they just integrate and they just give the whole roast the most wonderful flavor two teaspoons of crushed fresh garlic a teaspoon of salt a teaspoon of black pepper one packet of onion soup mix i use the imana you can use whichever one you want one beef stock cue two cups of water two tablespoons of tomato paste and three bay leaves the bay leaves just take it to another level so we fry the meat and when it's brown all over, we remove it from the pot and we set it aside. To the same pot that the meat was frying in. Don't wash it because we want all those little bits at the bottom and that brown caramelized uh, bits. So we scrape that all up with the red wine. Then we add the onions, give it a good stir, add the salt, the pepper, the onion soup mix, beef stock, water, tomato paste, the bay leaves and you bring it to the boil give it a good stir and then you return the meat 
to that same pot. Now, I used a cast iron pot with a lid so that I could put it straight into the oven at this point. So I fried everything in the cast iron pot. Then I put, then I put the meat back and then I just stuck it in the oven. And I just let it continue to cook in the oven at 160 for three hours, three and a half hours. And it was just tasted too beautiful. You must also check on the moisture halfway through the cooking. If you want, you can add potatoes at this point. Halfway through the cooking, you can add some carrots. Um, check that there's moisture, but the end result should be a lovely, lightly glazed meat. Not one soaking in a gravy, but just a lightly gl glazed meat. Um, and the onions should have almost disintegrated. And there you have a lovely raisin rib roast. Try it for Shabbos. Okay, that's the end of the show. And uh, thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoyed it. And thank you to Craig. I always forget to say thank you to. Because if it wasn't for Craig, I don't know where I'd be. And um, if I don't see you before Purim, or don't chat you before Purim, have a wonderful Purim and have fun. <laughs>